Welcome to Next in Nonprofits. I'm Steve Boland, and I am so excited to be joined today by Holly Rustic, world-renowned grant writer, best-selling author from Grant Writing and Funding. Holly, thanks so much for taking the time to come on today. Thanks so much, Steve. This is really exciting to be on your podcast. I think it's awesome, and I'm just really excited to be here to share some stuff about consultancy, grant writing, and everything else, and to have a chat with you, too. Yeah. Uh, we were introduced by a mutual friend, Mazarin, who's been on the show before, uh, Wild Woman Fundraising. Uh, I'll put a link in the show notes if anybody missed that first conversation, but uh, it was really interesting as she approached me about the changes in how we support nonprofit organizations and getting their work done and how the world maybe is changing a little bit around using outsourced resources for that. Uh, so Holly, let me ask you the, the first, I think, fun fact that I learned is uh, it would be a little bit harder for you to serve most of your clients because you're not geographically close to many of them, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I actually am located on the island of Guam, which um, for those of you who may not know, uh, it's about a three and a half hour flight to the Philippines, about a four hour flight to Japan, and about an eight hour flight to Hawaii. So we are in the Pacific. <laughs> Very and hard. talking to you from the heartland of the uh, continental United States, you're also in my tomorrow. So finding a time mm. that kind of lined up was fun for us to go. Yeah, this works. Let's talk this time because that's in both of our work days. But it is one of those things about how charities have been, I think, for a very long time in this space of thinking um, we have some things that we need to get done that are not necessarily core service delivery. And um, do we still hire people directly to do those things? Uh, absolutely. Grant writing, other fundraising has been in that realm. Um, but, you know, lots of things like legal services, strategic planning, you know, lots of things that could be really important and necessary for a charity, but are not necessarily, you know, I I'm in the clinic delivering healthcare services. I'm doing childcare. I'm, you know, whatever the, the nonprofit mission service may be and how they think about approaching getting that help, I think has been changing for a, a while. You, you've been doing this for a bit. I've been doing this for a little bit. That's not necessarily being on staff help, but I do think that the COVID pandemic has accelerated or changed that. So I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about your experiencing in experience in providing expertise to charities in that grant writing funding world and how that maybe has been changing in the last few years. Absolutely. I love this subject so much. And um, just I wanted to give a big shout out to Mazarine too for introducing us. Um, and her and I and Mandy Pierce are going to be working on a nonprofit consulting conference we can talk about a little bit later. But yeah, I want to answer that that first to really go over and to say, you know, there are certain types of experts in certain services. And, you know, it is many times in the strength of the nonprofit, in the interest of the nonprofit or the charity to hire um, as a consultant, to hire on those services with through consultancies. And, you know, I actually, it's funny because I've been doing this for quite a while, as you mentioned. And in 2005, I started doing this um, virtually. So I was working at an office outside of DC and none of our clients were physically in the geographic area. You know, we had just all virtual clients from around the world. 
And that allowed me, what that allowed me to do was, well, one thing I just learned so much more about different types of nonprofits. And the other thing too, was I was then able to, I also took another job in Kuwait. So I moved to the Middle East and I, I worked part-time on the side doing grant writing. Um, and then I was also able to um, do my master's in Europe and keep doing grant writing on the side. So I was able to, and I, eventually I moved into many different countries and was able to keep this going, right? And now I do it full time on the island of Guam. Like you mentioned, it's, it's you know, geographically, it can be very far away from clients. Um, but the thing is, is when you know how to do something and you're basically doing it online anyways, you can, and people have been doing this now for a long time, and you can do this anywhere. Um, and what this is important, not only for, for me, who may want more flexibility to move to different places, you know, it could be military spouses who are moving every two years mm -hmm. to different countries, you know, and it's really hard, you know, it can take six months to a year just to get a job every time they move somewhere. And those people know they're going to turn around to move again anyways. So this can be a consistent work, um, work industry for them as well. But it's not just for the person, right? It's also for the nonprofit or the charity. And what is important about that is a lot of times nonprofits and charities, organizations, their funding is based on grants. It's based on limited term uh, funding. It's based on restricted funds. So what this does is it enables them to hire a consultant to deliver a service for a certain scope of work, and they don't have to keep them on payroll. <laughs> So right. I think that's one huge benefit among others. But yeah, I mean, that's definitely a plus for cash flow when nonprofits are looking at hiring and they don't have to hire someone who's a jack of all trades to kind of do a catch all, right? They can hire an expert, say grant writing, fundraising, developing the website, right? Social media mm -hmm. um, outreach. They can develop a certain person that that's all they do, right? And they don't have to, they know, okay, well, we can invest $5,000 or $2,000 or $20,000 into this and get this X result. And then we're done, right? You know what I mean? We can maybe choose to sign another contract, but we don't have to worry about long-term. We don't have to worry about setting up an office space and paying the rent for them to do right. their work in, right? You know, All of the things that come with employees. Right. And I think that there's been that idea of short-term, I, I can get mm -hmm. these specific project goals met uh, and not have to hire staff. And, and that's been a practice for a while. I think maybe where I'm seeing things change a little bit is they do find that expert. They go, wow, you know, Holly knows how to do those grants. She's got this funding thing down. Why would we necessarily have to think that I need my own person who's on staff for that? To, you know, based on the size of the organization, certainly some, mm -hmm. you know, multi, multi million dollar nonprofits are going to have entire departments of staff that are there and they specialize. And maybe that makes sense in those cases. But I think that there's this opportunity for others who probably need less than full time if you're skilled, if you know what you're doing and you know your way around to get that work done instead of thinking, boy, I'm always going to need some kind of grant help. I'm always going to need individual donor fundraising help. So I really want my own person here. But is your own person necessarily having to be on site anymore? And that's where I think maybe that shift is happening because people are thinking maybe not everybody has to be on site all the time. Yeah, you know, and I love that. And I love, you know, also it's, it's that punch in punch out kind of workforce yeah. mentality, right, that it's really shifted. Yes. And when we're really looking at productivity over just showing up, 
um, it's huge, right? A lot of people, there's a lot of studies that are being released now saying working from home doesn't make you less productive. And those of us who have been working home for quite a while, we know that, you know, we know there's a lot of productivity in that. Um, and I, you know, there's definitely a place for interaction and all of that. I'm not saying exclude all the different parts. There's different ways that you can definitely be engaged while working from home or in different places. Um, but yes, it definitely, I think the, the culture said, oh, this is, this is, this could work. Right. And it's actually more efficient, maybe not to have someone in inside in this headquarters or even to pay for the headquarters all the mm -hmm. time. Right. So there was a lot of efficiencies that I feel like have come through the pandemic that nonprofits have to look at their bottom dollar. Right. They are a business. Right. Um, and I think a lot of times they don't realize they are a business, but when they kind of pull back and say, what's the bottom dollar, how can we operate with efficiency and still increase teamwork, morale, um, all of those things, increased wages but in a different way, right? A lot of people were seeing that maybe it's not necessarily only increased wages or even increased wages that they're looking for. They really want more quality of life, right? And to be able to work for five hours a day from home so they can drop their kids to school, they can pick them up, um, they can feel like they have more autonomy in their work is really beneficial. And, and quite honestly, if someone was to track their time as an employee at work, they're probably only doing five real hours of work anyways, you know, with all of the this kind of side banter, the moving around, the different things, right? I mean, when you really track your time, it's interesting to see the productivity time versus just kind of punching in and punching out kind of time. Right. Which I think actually is one of the things I wanted to talk with you about is that idea of um, specialization and, and what an outsourced partner can bring to the table where they think, you know, I, I want X number of hours. I'm like, well, really what you want is successful grant applications. You want yep. successful fundraising campaigns. You want communications campaigns that really engage people. If that takes me five hours to do because I'm really good at it and it takes somebody who doesn't have the experience that I bring to the table, you know, 20 hours to do, should that person get paid more uh, than me because it took them longer to do the same task, maybe not even as well. And there's the shift in this consulting idea is what if you could get somebody who's really pretty expert at this thing that isn't going to have to have a desk at your office that doesn't have to have a, a new computer that somebody in IT has to set up for them and manage for them and all the rest of it doesn't have those costs, but brings in more expertise than you're probably going to be able to hire on site for that, you know, one charity that maybe isn't the multi multi million dollar thing. Getting people to that hump, though, I think was harder before and maybe is becoming easier to go. Maybe it's not about how many hours you've put in. Maybe it's about how good are you at doing that thing because you've already learned for you know, 20, whatever years or, or whatever the case may be, how to be really good at that. And you can bring that expertise to my nonprofit without me having to try to teach you to do the job. Yes. Yes. That's such a good point. You know, and um, Mandy Pierce from Funding for Good, she's going to be talking about that at the nonprofit um, con con conference, because she's going to be talking about how to go from basically charging hourly to service, yeah. right? To packages. And that's a huge thing in the consulting space. And what you're talking about is, you know, do you charge hourly? Do you charge um, as a package? 
And, you know, a lot of us say do package, but you also have to understand the worth of and your value of your hour. Right. So to really know like what that all entails, um, because it's, it's not fair. Right. If, if, cause then there's that, that bell curve, right. As you explained, as you get more proficient in something, it takes you less time. So then if you're charging hourly, as you become better, you're actually making less money. You know what I mean? So what, right, how does right. that make any sense? It doesn't. So, um, and many nonprofits profits. And that's the thing. It's not when they think about it, you know, when they're in traditional hiring mode, it is like, well, how many hours is this person going to work and what deliverables do we expect or expectations within those hours, you know? Um, but with consultants, it's really flipping the switch and saying, what are the deliverables? So if you want me to write five grants, you really don't need to know how long it's going to take me per hours, right? It's you want the final package of how much is that going to cost? Because if, it's, if I'm going to tell you how many hours, then you're going to want to know, well, how much do you charge per hour? And then how many hours per grant, right? So it's, it's still like, mm, that's not really a good way to charge. It's more like, I can actually write this for you. And this is how much I charge to write this kind of grant, right? Mm -hmm. So if I meet the deadline, that's what, that's what it's all about. It's meeting the deadline. Um, you know, it, it's meeting the deliverable and the scope of work. So how I really work with a lot of consultants is to say, you know, look at your scope of work, look at your deliverables, and then know though, know what your hourly rate, you know, if you want to have one is, um, you don't need to publish that or tell them that, but it can help you then come up with that package rate. And for nonprofits on the flip side, that's what they're looking for. They're looking for the deliverables, right? At the end yeah. of the day, it's okay, well, how much is this going to cost to write X number of um, grant applications or to do an, uh, a Giving Tuesday campaign or whatever, right? And they want to know what the results from that will be, right? So what is the main results? Usually to get more money or get more awareness for their nonprofit, for their programs. And that's, I think, an important shift with the clients that we work with to try and help them understand that uh, we, of course, cannot guarantee any one campaign or grant application is going to have you know X dollar success rate. Um, but I do think that we can, if we get the chance to work with an organization over time, we can help shape the more likely successful opportunities the, that yeah. they may not. And I, I'm sure you've run into this. I get this with clients in the grant world in particular, where you know, a friend of theirs sends them a grant application. Like, oh, great. This is a great amount of money. It looks like a good thing. Um, we should apply for that. And then we do the research and go, well, you know, I don't think we have a very good chance of that for reasons X, Y, and Z, but we have these other four opportunities that if we spend our time on, we're a pretty good shot at, and we're, we're going to be more successful. I can tell you why this is more likely to be successful than that, uh, just from years of doing it and connections in the field and all that, that we bring that expertise to the table and we yeah. use that time better. And I think yeah. one of the challenges of the bringing in the, you know, two years out of college staff person who's well-intended and smart and all the rest of it, but just doesn't have that, uh, that guidance, that shepherd, that person that really knows how to help uh, make those decisions. And then they do spend time on whatever the, you know, friends referral grant application and they don't get it. And everyone's frustrated. And that person leaves the job in 12 to 18 months. And then they do the same process over again, mm -hmm. hiring somebody that's kind of newer and inexperienced and without the 
the the guiding voice to help them learn the field very well. And I, I think that's one of the challenges of how we could be thinking of these things different is when you work with us, you're getting that experience that you're not going to be able to afford on your own. And we can help your team learn from that. It's not just here's the product, but here's the process and here's the learning and everybody can get better at it. But they have to think about that as part of that whole package you were talking about. Yes, I love that. I love that point that you made on just by working with a consultant who is, you know, maybe giving them advice that they didn't necessarily, you know, were expecting, right? But that's a part of the consultancy and the ex- expertise is to say what will really work. So, um and and I'm going to I'm going to show you the why, right? Yeah. And that is so powerful. Like whenever I've ever hired any kind of expert to come on, because I hire a lot of consultants to do certain scope of work for my business. And it's the same thing. I want to learn from them, right? I want to find out, well, why does that work? Why have you, you know, you're going to set up a sauna that way? <laughs> does it make sense or whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. So I think that's really a good point to say, you know, for a lot of nonprofits, sometimes, you know, they executive directors are busy, funding developed directors are busy, right? But if you're going to invest in hiring a consultant, take the time to learn from them. Don't just say, okay, here, they're, they're my magic wand and something, you know, just because I hired them, I'm going to get this huge funding ROI. Like you mentioned, we can never guarantee securing funding. There's too many variables that are way out of our hands for that. However, we can set them up like as a grant writer, especially, right. I can set them up with a grant application that is basically a business plan. It's a program. They can use the research for that from that uh, grant application. They can put it on their website and their social media. They can revamp the grant to submit to funding app or, you know, fundraisers or corporate sponsorships, et cetera. So, you know, when you're looking at what types of services are these people providing? Are they also leaving a product for you, right? Um, and that's really valuable. Or through that service delivery, can you learn from them? So really do pay attention. I think that's such a good point uh, for, especially like different people who are, you know, basically the hiring part, even the points for consultants in nonprofits to say, you know, don't just kind of put it off on them and say, okay, it's just going to magically get done, but really pay attention to what those uh, consultants are saying. So I, I love that. Yeah. And in the, in the niche that I work in, in particular, you know, the, the smaller nonprofit organization, the, the, you know, one to $5 million, the sub-million dollar nonprofit, um, often the people that are doing the hiring are experts in their program work. You know, they know what their nonprofit mission is and they understand that, but they're not expert fundraisers. They're not expert grant writers. They're, they're not expert in social media communication stools. So for them to, you know, manage a staff person to do all that work when they themselves aren't necessarily you know um, right. experienced in it. Uh, it. It is a different thing to hire uh, a, an outside expert who comes in as a partner saying, I'm going to give you my best advice. We have to shape that together because of course it has to fit your culture, your organization, your mission. But, um, but you'll hear from me about why certain ideas might be more successful versus others in your space and, and whatnot. And that changes, I think, what the expectation of the hiring agency is from, you know, supervisor to, um, you know, consumer of expert service. And that's a a different um, relationship. Um, Sometimes one that uh, I'm I'm sure you've probably had this experience where uh, that relationship never really forms correctly and and you need to end it and go, yeah, you know, um, actually, I'm I'm not really just a intern that you brought on because I'm not in the office with you, right? I, I, I have 
a series mm-hmm. of things to offer. And if that isn't valuable to you at the price that we've negotiated and all the rest of it, then you should find the right person and I should exit this. And that's okay. It's all right to learn that it wasn't the right thing and move on. But I do think that there should be that expectation uh, when you've got a good outsourced partner to go, I'm hiring them, not just because I need this done, but because they're better at it than I am. <laughs> they're going to help me get better and understand it more. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you really brought up two really good points there, um, among others, but the two that are really uh, shown to me were the managing um, a lot of, like you said, a lot of people in nonprofits, like, you know, they are, a lot of them are expected to suddenly have all of the leadership acumen, to have management skills and, you know, to have financial skills, et cetera. And what they're really good at though, is managing this program or, you know what I mean? They're, they're one mm-hmm. thing that they're really passionate about. So now all of a sudden on top of them, their hat, another hat that they're wearing is now I have to manage employees and I have to manage staff and I have to manage interns and volunteers and everything else. And that might not be their number one skill or strength, right? Um, So to have a consultant come in, yes, they're still going to have to work with them, but it is a very different relationship and it's a very different skill set, right? So with that, you're like you said, they're kind of then on the opposite side to say, okay, I'm I'm a consumer of you now, right? Instead of managing you. And that's what a consultant really can help do for um, executive directors and people who are managing is to say, look, you don't need to manage me because I'm going to have these, the scope of work clearly spelled out, these deliverables clearly spelled out, our relationship, how we're going to meet clearly spelled out, timelines, et cetera, right? So in that way, it makes it so much easier for the executive director because they're not managing that person any longer, right? So that alone is huge and it can be very, very powerful and empowering for the executive director then to stick with their skill set that they are really good at. So I think I just really wanted to hone in on that. But the other thing like that was tied into that in which you mentioned was expectations. So, you know, if an executive director is used to uh, managing you know, staff that come on interns, and then they have a consultant that comes on, they might try to put you in that staff kind of role where, oh, can you just do this too? Or can you just throw that on? Or can you, you know what I mean? That those kind of things. Other duties as assigned. (laughs) Yes. And we're like, "Mm, no. And that's why contracts really need to be spelled out very clearly. And we'll be talking about that at the nonprofit consulting conference as well, because that is so important. And I see that as a major kind of hiccup or, you know, kind of challenge for a lot of consultants to say, oh no, I signed on with this client and now they want me to do all this and I didn't have a clear contract. Whoops. You know, so there's definitely that. And the only thing that that can really lead to is people feeling better on both sides of the fence, right? Uh, Or just, you know, disappointed or all of those things like, and it, you know, it can be from both sides. So really spelling out what the expectations are from both parties before you enter into a relationship via contract um, is really vital for that relationship and that service delivery to be healthy, right, for both sides. So it is really important um, because, you know, we can't just expect both people know what the other, right, is a different, it's a relationship. We got to, we got to have some terms spelled out for what the deliverables will be. 
Yeah. And as you point out, it's a slightly different relationship than they may be used to. And that's um, good to think about, you know, maybe you've hired a strategic planning partner before, or you hired an attorney when you needed a uh, articles of incorporation changed or whatever. And those short-term things are a little bit, I think, easier for people to go, oh, I'm, I'm familiar with that space. And absolutely, you know, folks like us get hired for short-term needs as well when you're just filling in some capacity or, or doing a single project. But more and more, I think we're seeing that um, we can be that partner that's there for the long haul. Um, one organization I've been working with eight years now that um, could have hired somebody independently at this point. They, they have the resources, but they know what they're getting with our relationship. They value that. It's working for them. So it's really nice to think you don't have to think about consultants as that's a short-term thing. It could be that it's a um, real capacity builder for the organization over time. Um, I do want to shift gears for just a moment because we've mentioned the conference a couple of times now. Um, but let me just ask about who is the um, audience for that? Because we're, we're talking about consultants, people that are professionals in their, in their sphere and nonprofit organizations. But this is geared for the consultant that wants to get better at their work, I assume. Yeah, so it's it's actually focused on people who are really interested and serious about getting into nonprofit consultancy, as well as those who may be a little bit new and, you know, want to learn more, as well as to those who are seasoned. So we're really looking at that whole, um, you know, kind of birth to life, you know, kind of thing of the nonprofit consultancies. So, um, and it's really good because there's going to be so many different resources for them. We talked about some of them as far as contracts, um, how to price your services, but even getting into things like imposter syndrome, right? Mm. Um, confidence building, like doing it all on your own can be very isolating. Um, so we want to bring people together. And um, we have a lot of speakers over two days um, and it's from August 25th and 26th from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And we're really excited about this because it was Mandy Pierce from uh, Funding for Good, Mazarine Trays, as you mentioned, for, from Wild Woman Fundraising, and then myself from Grant Writing and Funding, who came together to say, you know, we're really getting, we all serve nonprofit consultants. Um, and we know that there's so much more that they are looking for. So we want to put this together to really help them to really thrive in their business. And as you mentioned, because of the pandemic, we are seeing a lot of people transitioning more into saying, oh, consultancy is a viable option for me, right? Um, and, you know, there's a lot of need right now for nonprofits to also hire consultants versus uh, staff, right? Because of the issues that we mentioned before. And, you know, so it really is a good time for people to be thinking about this, be getting involved in really setting up their consultancies, but they need the support, right? It's not something we just automate just because we file our, you know, our business license, we know how to do, right? Mm -hmm. So it's, it's providing that support um, for, for those different folks. Yeah, you know, the uh, first time I got into a situation where I really thought it would be better to just exit the business relationship, I looked at my agreement and found that I had provided that exit for the client. If at any time they felt like the relationship wasn't serving them well, here's how we end that, you you know, this much notice and we do these things and, and that's all great. Didn't give myself the same out in the same document. Oh, Never no. occurred to me like, oh, what if I want to go and they don't? Uh, you know, <laughs> we worked it out. It was all fine. But that was a real learning opportunity for me to go. I'm a 
person in this agreement too. It's not all client, client, client. I'm the service provider that has some needs and it's really good to start learning from what other people have pulled together. Uh, is the conference, uh, I assume all virtual or is there gonna be an in-person component somewhere? Okay. It virtual. will be all virtual. Um, and that way we can really have so many more people come. Yeah. And we also know, you know, that, you know, if you miss a day, if you have to run out, miss a session, we do have, it will be recorded, right, as well. So it really gives people the flexibility to do that. And I think, you know, as we were talking about in the green room, too, before we started today, and it was kind of talking about that, you know, how, how are some of this working, you know, virtually, will it keep going? And how has it really changed? And mm -hmm. I think, conferences are going to be one of the things that will always, there's always going to be some kind of hybrid or some kind of virtual conference from now on because people are so familiar with it and it's just so easy, right? So traveling to different places, especially for consultants, when we're looking at, you know, startup consultants, et cetera, like to, to, to travel <laughs> is mm -hmm. a huge thing. It's, you got to book that, you know, it's time away from your work, right. That you're traveling. If you have children, you know, if you're caring for an elderly person, it really does disrupt. And sometimes it marginalizes you from being able to attend those conferences. So in this way, it really does level the playing field for a lot of people. And we're really excited about that. So are you following a, a traditional format that we were used to from the before times in terms of a uh, like a, a keynote presentation that everybody might participate in and then some breakout sessions that might have different uh, mm -hmm. vibes to them? Or how, how do you see this pulling together to give people that experience? Sure. So um, we are doing uh, all of the sessions will be open to all of the participants. So it's going to be really nice. And we have six um, speakers on each day, but we also have a breakout session. So that way people can interact and network more. So it is going to be really nice to have different um, people from across the board as far as like Jenny Hargrove is going to talk about marketing. You may know her. She has a podcast um, as well. And um, she's going to be talking about marketing. We have Michelle uh, Roar talking about really how to listen to your inner voice and your intuition, <laughs> which is so important, right? Yeah. As a consultant. So we have we have a lot about like walking away with tangibles, checklists, worksheets, et cetera. And also working away, like doing that inner work because as entrepreneurs, that is a huge part of being an entrepreneur is doing the inner work, right? To get that confidence, to understand even why you wanted to op open a consultancy, right? We all have different goals. We all have different, um, our why of doing it, right? Some people want a lot of flexibility. Some people want to work a lot so they can, you know, save up money for something, right? There's so many different reasons why, and it, there's never a cookie cutter answer, right? But you can yeah, get yeah. that kind of like, okay, let's work through this on how you can interpret it and how you can build up your best business and your best way, your best life, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that there is something for that, uh, um, helping to hear from other people that are connected in the nonprofit world in particular, because I, I think that the uh, um, experience of talking to people about the type of work that, that I do and how I do it, where they learn that I work most days. Uh, I, and mm -hmm. I choose that. And I like that. Um, mm -hmm. and people are like, Oh my gosh, you work on the weekends. I'm like, yes, I do. And I walk my dog at three in the afternoon. If I feel like it, you know, I don't have a meeting mm -hmm. with a client and I want to go out for a dog walk. I just go and I like the work that I do and I schedule it because I like it, not because I have to do it at that moment or whatever, but also then have some flexibility 
that wasn't why I got here. Um, honestly, I, I came into this type of work myself, and I'll be interested to, you know, I guess your story, you told a little bit about um, how you started moving and then finding out you could still work, even if you were moving different places, that um, I, I came into this because I kept looking for that one perfect job that would let me do all of these really interesting things. And most jobs have like 40% interesting things. And then there's a lot of other stuff that I'm like, I, I want to go explore the other things that are really impactful, that, that make a difference for charitable missions that do these things. And it's, it doesn't fit into one job nicely. And if I spread those interests around over several different clients, I get to scratch that itch. They get the expertise they're looking for. It really just works out better. So it wasn't to me thinking, well, I want to work for myself as it was. There isn't a better structure to be able to share what I want to share with people than this one. So I guess I'm trying this one and, you know, maybe it will work out for other people too. Yes. I love that. And I love that you're saying, you know, from that point of view of like, I can work whenever I want, if it's a Saturday. Yeah. And that's what I want to do that day. Sure. Right. But I can also like go walk my dog, which is amazing. So yeah, I definitely think I love that coming into your, with your why. Right. And, and for me, yeah, I mean, a lot of it was flexibility, but it was also similar to you actually. I think, um, when I was working with a variety of clients, I was like, oh, this is interesting. Right. And then I've also done it where I'm working just with one client. And after a while it's okay, this is, this is good, but I, I want to hear about more things that people are doing in the world. Right. I'm really interested in variety. So for me, I really got into it as well for variety of learning, um, as well as the flexibility of living anywhere. Um, I can live here on Guam, um, and I can serve people anywhere in the world, which is super really cool for me. Right. So I get to hear a lot about the different impact that people are having in the world, the different programs, and now I do a lot more coaching rather than just uh, writing grants. And that's super inspiring too, to be able to help other people through my experiences and through what I've learned to help them get set up too. So they can serve more nonprofits. They can have more impact in the world and they can do it on their own terms, whatever those terms may be. Right. So uh, yeah, it's really inspiring. So I'm excited for the conference and for what people can learn there. And, and now I'm thinking, you know, what we, the next conference we need is for uh, those uh, nonprofit folks that, that need these types of services and help to be able to help them bridge the gap to, to yes. come over. Cause I do feel like we do an awful lot of education one at a time. Uh, you know, there are absolutely folks that come to me RFP in hand going, I know that I want an outsourced partner. I know that I want that expertise. Here's what I am thinking so far. And then you know, often we kind of have to reshape that a little based on what we can contribute to the conversation, but they know that that's a, an option for them. But I also get clients who uh, are not necessarily looking to uh, engage in a outsourced relationship with an expert. They're thinking, well, I, I need to go back and, and hire that relatively affordable person again, because the last relatively affordable person didn't feel like they were being successful and they left. And then the one before them didn't feel like they were being successful and they left. And I'm just churning. 
And mm-hmm. I think that there's that moment to reach to those people and say, there's a different way that might work for you, but it does require you kind of stepping away from that thought of everybody needs to be in the office next to me. And yeah. I think getting that word out and helping those people feel supported in that relationship, because um, that, that can be a little scary too for them to step outside that traditional uh, realm of, of thinking these services that are, are delivered by employees and, and not by uh, outside parties partners and thinking of us differently is a challenge. So, you know, maybe we need a whole conference to just help the nonprofit partners figure that out. <laughs> I agree. Oh my goodness. Yes. Cause it is your, that word educating, right? I, I feel like we're educating our clients a lot, right. And teaching other consultants how to educate them. And yeah. um, it's just because it's different and, and it is shifting, right? We do see the shift. There is more open-mindedness and, and, they're seeing it works, right? But they're still kind of that kind of stuck on, well, but if they're in the office, I can kind of oversee or micromanage or whatnot, right? And not to say, you know, anything negative, it's just a different way of thinking, how this, how we are raised in the system, right? So to get out of that and to say, you know what, really, if you have an employee or an intern in the office, how much time are you really spending with them anyways? Usually not a lot. They're kind of just saying, get this done. And then that person has to figure it out. So (laughs) when you hire an expert, they've already figured it out. You know what I mean? So you're actually going to reduce so much time and, you know, just everyone trying to figure it out because you have somebody who knows how to do it. So there's a huge difference in the delivery of that. And, and like you mentioned, you know, that person who may just have to figure it out, they're not going to maybe feel successful. Maybe they win one grant and they're like, Hey, I can do this. And they write it, you know, five more and they all come back as, you know, denials and they start to feel like they're not good at their job, morale suffers, et cetera. Um, so, you know, I also definitely encourage if people do want to choose to keep people in the office, they need to provide training for them. Right. They, you know, there's they really do because it's just not good all around for anyone in the nonprofit to not feel successful at their job, right? So, um, but there are tools available for that too. Yeah, and that training may be more of an ongoing mentorship piece. Mm -hmm. And I've done that with clients too, where I'm really just providing strategy consulting. I'm not doing the hard work piece day in and day out. Um, They've got people, they just need the support to go, okay, we said we were gonna do this last week. I, I looked at the things that we put together in our work plan, but I'm kind of stuck on this and this. And then we coach through that a little bit and then they go off and, and do that. Most nonprofits do not have those experts on staff to help train and, right. and, and coach up the skill in these areas that we're talking about specifically anyway. I mean, grant writing and, and other fund development work comes often. Um, they, there just isn't that internal person to mentor and train and do those things reasonably. So maybe they go to a conference, maybe they get a book, uh, maybe they take a YouTube course. Those are all fine options for a lot of people. But that one-on-one relationship around your work plan, I, I think, can be a really helpful thing so that if you're thinking, you know, I, I do really want to develop that internal talent. I do have some of those people, but I don't think I'm setting them up for success if I just point them at a number and say, can you please go get a million and a half dollars next year? Let me know when you're done. And, you know, not give them that opportunity to really be successful in it. And that's a different way of thinking about the um, outsource expertise that you can get to say a regular ongoing relationship, but towards that end of uh, having that person be supported and having them be successful. 
Right. And I, I love that mentoring component. And, you know, just, just like your services, like a lot of people like that after a while with me too, is can you just look over this grant application, Holly? Yeah. Can you, you know, just review this now that we're kind of getting set up and more sustainable and all of that. And, and having that, that advisor, if you will, right, is really important. Um, so definitely that is something that can also be set up. Like we mentioned before, hiring a consultant doesn't have to be a long-term, but it can be a long-term relationship, but it can, it doesn't have to be as an intense relationship always, right? Um, yeah, it yeah. can, it can um, kind of, you know, go into more of a mentorship or advisorship, which is so valuable, right? So I think that's a really good way to look at it to say there are options, but that's the thing there, there are options. So to look at the options and to understand what they are, if outsourcing is a better fit for you, if hiring somebody, but then you need to have the right tools and the mentorship and the training for them. Right. And to really look at what is the long-term plan for that. So those are all really excellent things to bring up because, you know, there, like I mentioned before, there's not a one size fits all, right. It's really about yeah. your nonprofit organization and, and how it's set up, but to see the trends, and I do like that you pointed off, pointed out, you know, if you keep hiring people and there's a lot of churn, what's going on then, right? That could there be a different way? Could there be a more efficient way? Um, that is also a, 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 you know, way towards wellness for your nonprofit too, right? And yep. to say, hmm, yeah, there is. There's a, there's so many options that you can look at. Yeah, the, the employment world here, I'm based in St. Paul, Minnesota, is very tight right now. There's just not a lot of uh, extra capacity to go hire people anyway. So I do think that helping our partners in the charities understand that there's maybe more capacity that is finding itself into this, A, because we don't have to be limited to just who's in Minnesota if you're um, mm -hmm. working with uh, experts that could be doing their work nearly anywhere. I think that that absolutely is something to help people learn about and, and see. But I, uh, when I started this, I, I was never thinking I would be part of a team. I'm just going to go um, take what I've learned as a nonprofit staffer over the 20 years I was doing that work and bring it to other organizations myself. And now, you know, there's uh, four of us that do this together as a consultancy and growing to have people who are full-time with us, they are actually employees, but with next in nonprofits, they're, you know, they're, they're not independent consultants themselves, but mm -hmm. they get that ability to flex their time and work through with different clients and learn from all these different people that they're working with. And that model is growing. So there's more capacity here to offer where you might be finding it a little bit lacking in the hiring world. At least that's what I'm seeing here. Uh, as you get people contacting you for either direct support or just to grow their own practices, are, are you hearing that, you know, the, the market's kind of tight and this is maybe an opportunity? Absolutely. Um, yeah. There's a lot of people that contact me that are just seriously considering becoming a nonprofit consultant and, you know, and that's a beauty. And I have courses for that. And I, I do mentoring as well with that because yeah, it, there's a lot of opportunity. And even the research that I've done has shown even pre-COVID massive movement towards freelancers, um, just with technology, the growth of technology. 
Um, and now with COVID, we're even seeing that even more, right? Especially with Gen, um, Gen Z. So we're really looking at this is an industry pipeline that is going to grow as far as consultants. Um, and how businesses are set up, your business models, this is going to be a really important component that is going to be a major part of it. Um, so if it's not already, right, it's going to mm -hmm. be growing in that way. So I do think it's worth both sides, right, the consultants themselves and the nonprofits or the organizations to really consider this. Um, and even, you know, as a as a consultant, I used to look and see if there was jobs opening. So if there was a job opening for staff, right? And I would, if I thought my business, my consultancy could actually do that work, and I was like, okay, we might do five of the things that they have listed out of these eight. I would actually contact them and say, my company <laughs> could mm -hmm. do this, you know, and approach it and that cheaper way. than you're trying yep. to pay somebody to do it as a staff person. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. And I would say, this is how much it would cost. We would not need, you know, you don't need to have fringe benefits. You don't have all of those things, right? This is how much mm -hmm. it would cost to do this part of it. And I would get, I've actually gotten quite a few jobs that way. And it's really exciting because the organizations would go, oh, we never even thought of this. We never even thought of having this part be outsourced, but I'm like, you're going to have a really hard time finding an executive director to do all of the things that you have listed yeah. in this job description. Like it's usually right. Like they just put it all, all their wish list on there. And then if they hire that person, that, that person's like, Oh no, what did I get myself into? Right. I can't hear what I mean. It's, it's pretty intense. So um, it, it's really changed a lot of the minds of the organizations as well to say, oh, wow, there is opportunity and this actually works well. We can still hire the executive director, um, but now they can actually just focus on being an executive director, right? And you yep. can you're, you can do this. So yeah, there's definitely, I mean, there's think about being creative as a consultant too right now, because times are a change in and, and a lot of organizations, like if you just present something to them, right. Don't think they're all just going to come calling to you, but think of how you can present that in what your business could really provide for them, right. In a profitable way. So I think, um, that's another thing to really consider is just with a shift to keep an open mind, keep creative, listen to other consultants, right. That are out there and doing it and what they learn from what they're doing as well, hear their stories. And that can be very helpful. Absolutely. You know, Holly, I've been so enjoying this conversation, but I'm also realizing we're about out of time. So yeah. do you have any quick closing uh, uh, things that you want to mention as we wrap up for today? Sure. Well, first off, Steve, I just want to thank you uh, for coming on the, or having me come on the show. It's been really exciting. Um, and yeah, and, and if anyone is interested and wants to attend the nonprofit consulting conference presented by Foundant Technologies, once again, that's on August 25th and 26th from 8 a.m. to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And I can give you the link for the show notes, but it's simply right. the URL is www.nonprofitconsultingconference.com. And if anyone wants more information about me, they can definitely jump over to grantwritingandfunding.com. We have a ton of free resources for grant writing. If you're thinking about becoming a freelance grant writer specifically, we have a ton of resources for you in our beautiful Hub Haven that is completely free. So thank you. Absolutely. Uh, Holly Rustic is world-renowned grant writer, best-selling author, and you can be found at Grant Writing and Funding. We'll have those links in the show notes. Holly, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thank you, Steve. <laughs>